There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Robert? Today, Russell, I am feeling dreamy. Oof. Like I'm in a fable. A fable? Yeah. Or a dreamscape that could actually be real life and refer to real life, but somehow just feels magical and otherworldly. Okay. And today we are here to meet a dear friend of both of ours, someone that actually I've grown much closer to since living in Margate but I knew when she was living in London um, back in the days when I first started working with Carl Friedman and we were introduced even before that actually through Anne Hardy the photographer because she she went for me to a book launch of yours which was amazing and got a book with a drawing of me I think on the cover and it was a book that had a blank front cover and then the artist would draw in a pen like an image so it was a very unusual thing and I remember being like that's such an inventive idea like having a book with a blank cover that you create the front cover and it's unique every time and I found the book the other day in my bookcase and the maddest thing has happened the image has totally disappeared and I think it must be no 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 but I thought it was quite a beautiful thing in a weird way and it kind of made me think about your work a lot because it was this original image that was on a blank page and then now it's disappeared and it's kind of like dreamlike like was it ever there but it was there you know and I, I think it's something about the cycle of life there's something quite elegant and poetic in it you know in a way like the now disappearing image and you can just about see it <laughs> on the front cover and I love today's guest work so much and they um the reason we've connected through Margate is because they've been based here longer than I have maybe five six years longer than I was and they were the kind of um her and her partner were the first people that, that moved here in in this kind of current wave of artists and then we're now sat in a giant building Building. It's an old factory kind of warehouse building, which is next door to Nick Kirkwood and Tracy Emin and Carl Friedman. Um, so it's like this whole kind of big block, which is now being taken over by artists and is slowly being you know, restored very carefully. We've got brand new beams that have just been painted above us. And um, it's so wonderful to see these old buildings coming back to life. And I think that's also something in the work. There's this sense of the present moment, very, very present in the way the work is made, but also a kind of r- romance and history and kind of like um, even poetic kind of um, literature, old books and things like that are often referenced. So we are very proud to welcome to Talk Art, Sophie Sophie von Hellerman. Hi, Sophie. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for um, talking with us. So what's it like? This is your first week in this new studio. It's huge. It is my first week. I've been stretching up loads of canvases. Oh, you stretch your own canvases? Yes, always done, yes. 
is that is that part of the process it's, of getting in? It's part of the process of it's like, it's like rigging up a boat. So it's like getting used to the size, getting used to the space, and getting used to the object that I'm going to be painting on, and then like I earn it. <laughs> I love that. Is there ever a frustration to get them done quickly because you've got an idea, or is this is this a way of slowing down? In fact, a little bit, yeah, a little bit of slowing down, make, making it more precious, and then getting started. Yeah. I saw a film of you doing it where you, th there's actually the the raw canvas lying on the floor and then you see you by yourself it's a real laborious difficult mm. tough thing in a way to actually stretch a canvas i'd never even thought about it and the physicality of it in, in the scale of your body as well because you work big scale and some of these are huge yeah i mean they're 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 not the most but it's the stretches and the frames themselves are quite heavy so they they do fall on me it's it is heavy it's they they do sometimes fall on me What's the biggest one you've stretched? What's the biggest size you've worked on? In uh, well, just recently in the Turner, I had the paintings six by four meters. And so, you stretched that? Yeah. This is a rule you've set for yourself, but you'd never work on a canvas that hasn't been stretched by yourself. I'm not that strict, but largely speaking, that's how it works out. That that I would only. Yeah. Having seen the film as well, it got me thinking about this idea of a journey, because I think your works often have this this kind of sense of some sort of journey through life. Like even if it's a moment distilled, there's there's some kind of it's often midway through something. For example, we've got brand new paintings around us, which I've imagined you've just painted this week, and there's one of a roller coaster, and it's kind of like all these people joyously on a roller coaster, but it's mid ride, you know, mid moment, and it's been distilled in that in that split second. But when I saw saw you stretching the canvas it really struck me these huge canvases you know and you are there like really working like on this journey and it's almost like you've already got the idea of the painting it's like there's sorry to jump in there but it's like there's this the rigor of creating these canvases is quite hard work but then the work that you then make is so loose and free and like the energy that it takes to do the the actual canvas is so much it's like the antithesis of the actual energy that the work contains yeah, it's not quite. I mean, the painting itself is also, um, and maybe it's also it takes some strength and energy, <laughs> and it much more men mental energy. That so it's much more, the painting itself is much more tiring than the stretching. Interesting. Stretching is more like a physical exercise, and then the painting is a mental exercise as and well as being physical. Yeah. And you work on the floor. Yes. Why? Why is Be that? Because I use a lot of water, and it's it allows me to just walk around the painting and, and look at it from all directions and also creates a little bit of a distance again so I'm not confronted with the image so much as, a, as I'm making it because it's quite, I, I like to keep things in the air and open to many possibilities so when I, I paint on the floor I can change things and it's, it's, not, it's less defined because right? it's not like a mirror I'm standing in front of and it adding adding things taking things away it's just it's um, a pool <laughs> i've read that it, you've, you you said similar to when you're drawing at a desk the angle that you have the paper mm. up and you're drawing it as a desk is how you feel when you're on top of a canvas yeah. on the floor yeah so in a way because people think i can, cannot see anything but i can i can see what i'm doing so also i'm i'm, I'm used to it i'm used to this angle so and one of the other drives for it is because you're using um, raw pigment, which I only discovered researching this episode, <laughs> yeah. and I've known you all these years. But it's fascinating to me that you use this raw pigment, which we're currently looking at plastic sheets on the floor, which are quite beautiful in themselves. Like, they almost look like an artwork, perhaps. Mm. Um, you know, just the pigment itself. But then you mix that with these buckets of water. 
um, to create the image? Yeah, I start with a bucket of water and pigments from the old painting because I don't, I don't ever throw water down the drain, uh, painted water, because it's um, so as to not pollute. And also because I like the idea of it being continuous. So the dirty water from the old painting becomes the primer for the next painting. Wow. So, and it's, there's always so many great colors and pigments in, in there already that I, it gives it a good start, next painting. I find it very, we've got loads of people outside now. <laughs> I've always found it very operatic in the fact that it, it feels like you're in cycles. And it also feels like, for me, the energy within the work also feels cyclical. It feels like it moves around in a circle. Is that something that, an energy that you are aware of or something that you harness? Probably, because I like to, it, it's also because it's against the, the rectangular two-dimensional plane that is just a flat canvas so I'd like to keep it make it come jump out and move around and become more <laughs> spacious <laughs> do you work quickly yeah. is it an energy yeah, yes. yeah. yeah what's the quickest you've made a work or what's the longest you've spent on something do you do you find yourself returning to work or is it in one setting it, ideally in one setting and now the now I'm at this at this it has it now I'm probably the quickest I've ever been and it's now I so now I know I, I give myself an hour for a painting it's, it can be it can be less than that or a bit more than that, but I sort of know if I have an hour, like if I have an hour before you arrive, then I I can I know I can make a painting. And if it goes beyond that hour, then that's not. I mean, it's a good thing, but it's it's just it's just because of life pressures, time. Do I have time to make a painting? I have an hour. Yes, I do have time. That's, it reminds that's me of um, Keith Haring has a quote that you know everyone said about his works being quick. He said, "Well, they come out fast, but it's a fast world." And is, yeah. is there something about that that you can relate to? Yes. It's. I mean, I know it's. It sounds terrible that it's there so fast, but it's. It's. It's not actually. It's a fast world, and it's. Um, it's also. I don't like it when they become more because the ideas are. I mean, of course, the ideas I've thought about for a long time, and it's a long, ongoing work, and it's a long, long, long process like that. But it's. It's painting itself cannot be. If, it, if I work too much on it, then it's. Then it loses that what it was like in my head. Because I, I only ever have, I only ever work from what I have in my head. I don't have anything else to. So me memory is. Yeah. And even though these paintings were all done off Dreamland, which is in Margate, I could just go there and paint. But I, I don't. I, I just think about it, and I'm in here, at the other side of town, thinking about this place. Yeah, and then, uh, Dreamland is a fun fair for those who haven't been there, yeah. and it's a Victorian kind of thing. It's been going for a long time. But I heard you describe that process as being super present because you have to be so present because you want it to exist mm. in the way it's in your mind in that hour. Yeah. Um, what, what's that like? Sort of, is that is that scary? Is it is it intense? Is it joyful? Like, how do you feel when you're? It beginning? can be. It can be everything. It can be kind of fun, but it can also be. I also often feel incredibly. Uh, stupid or like not no not i don't actually I, i'm jumping onto a stage and have to perform or in yeah that's without knowing my lines or like then i then so i have to rely on everything that comes into my head in that moment and so you don't know what so sometimes or most time you don't know what you're going to paint really you just start yeah what do you really? normally what do you normally start with what, what is there well, that's I, I do have a sort of vague idea yeah vague idea that's <laughs> I start sometimes it's kind of clear like I, I read something in a book and somebody's written something and I say oh that's that's a great image and I'm, I'll sort of paint that but it's never of course it's never like how I imagine it but that's because you're a big reader so and literature feeds into the work and and, and it's combined mm -hmm. the literature you've read but combined with your own memories 
Yeah, absolutely. How often are you reading? Always reading. And then would you sort of put down the book and then start painting? Yeah. There was a series I saw that was Midsummer's Night Dream, and it was obviously related to the play. And the way you painted it, you could just see all of these characters so fully formed. And there's one where, like, the lead woman in it is kind of looking at someone else, but the expression in her face is so precise. I was just blown it's away. Like Titania by or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Looking at um, Bottom, the, the donkey. Yeah, yeah. And it was just this, this expression on the face of the painting, and I was just, like, blown away by how through lines and paint you're managing to tell this very strong story um what was it that led you to make that body of work like midsummer's night dream that it was uh, because i was i mean it was doing lockdown and it was the time of madness in a way so <laughs> the play related to to that and being and then it became and then because it was mid also because it was that time it was that time of year it was simply midsummer and then I was just in it and then as soon as I sort of set my put myself into the play and read more of the play and sort of remembered seeing the play and then it, the the painting started happening it became a group and then and the group is quite an important thing because I often feel like your work is one giant work. So yeah, each, each individual continues. painting mm. from the start is all part of the same universe. It's almost like a super giant world filled with all of these stories and characters, which is such a beautiful thing. When did you first realize you could work in series in a way like that, or like a continuous series? I think it, was, it, it sort of started when I started talking about paintings that I hadn't actually made yet. And then I sort of started, it was a way of... I made them afterwards, like, <laughs> yes. like with the concept yeah. that led to the action. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I, I've always felt there's a, a cartoony element, if that's okay to say. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, and, I, I, and I read earlier on, which I was really excited about, is that Tintin and Asterix are big joys of you, yours yeah. that you've read and have stayed with you. And when I saw that, it, it unlocked so much for me in the work. Mm. And how important is is that kind of cartoon energy? through the work as well for you yeah I, th I, I think if i if i was really um concentrating proper concentrating and brilliant i'd be i'd like i'd like to be no political cartoonist like oh really yeah. but um that is requires much more sharpness yeah it's a satire <laughs> and, isn't yeah. it of that that's and, but the I, I mean i love i love the energy that you have this cartoon energy but also the the color choices as well like we're looking now at neon pinks which are in here and yeah, there's in a the vibrancy work. in a the vibrancy, colour, isn't yeah. there? Because of the pure pigment being that raw, yeah. that direct. Is that something that appealed to you? Yeah, it's it's there. I, I I just like like the that they are so sort of like particles and and radicals at acting in all directions. And paints, ready mixed paints, don't have that. They're they're flatter. That's, yeah. When did and, you discover this style for yourself, or when did this really you feel like a eureka moment where you're like, oh, this is the way I want to tell my stories. It was actually in a, in a, when I went out to a warehouse in Cologne with some friends and we all made stretch up these massive canvases and I was just in the process of was priming it. But then I started painting because I was so excited about painting this huge canvas in this warehouse and I was painting the dust and the light and the dust and actually painting with the dust and the light in into the primer and then painting a Sherlock Holmes figure and um, in the first sort of layer of paint I was putting down that, that and then that oh that's actually how I want to paint yeah <laughs> that was the moment really <laughs> how old were you then 
I was 20 years old. Really? <laughs> so if you hadn't gone to that warehouse in Cologne, mm. do you think you might not have discovered this, <laughs> this eureka moment? I don't know. Yeah. Who can tell? Who can tell, yeah. But you're also inspired by German Expressionism, yeah. which I would love for people listening, if you're up for it, having a little history lesson mm-hmm. on what exactly German Expressionism is and who they are, who they were. The German Expressionism of the early 20th century were a, a group of different different groups of artists. Like I'm def, but definitely thinking of uh, Die Brücke, the bridge of the Kirchner, and Karl Schmidt-Rottloff, and others, uh, Beckmann, again, more solitary figure. So, but all these, they are, were the first to sort of paint in this very fast uh, direct way of painting all the, also the, all the distress and agony of the, the that time of the Weimar, Weimar Republic and um, then beginning of, sort of all the terrible terrors of World War. World, World War. Yeah. World War One, and oh. then after World, coming out of World War One and uh, painting painting in the twenties in in being, then the Nazis decided that it was degenerate art and not to be shown, but. I think famously the the exhibition in Munich that showed an order that toured around that the Nazis toured around Germany of degenerate art became much more popular and more visited than the exhibition of good German art that the Nazis were showing parallel, which was really horrible. Pinky people with blonde hair. Propaganda, almost. Probably, yeah, yeah. And German expressionism, the timeline so vast because mm. it goes from like 1900 basically all the way to like 19 late 1930s, yeah. and then it suddenly stops. This, but, yeah, this degenerate art show had like Bauhaus. Was that that movement happening alongside German expressionism? Yes. Well, the, the, I mean, the, the 20s in Berlin and I mean all over Europe, but I mean, especially in Berlin, were at a time of amazing uh, thoughts and uh, modern <laughs> like, ideas that then the Nazis successfully quenched and, yeah, you know, And going suppressed. to art school in Dusseldorf, yeah. then, was this, was German Expressionism part of, like, the syllabus? Was this something you just had to know? For sure. I mean, yeah, because there are a lot now the museums that are, have many, like the Dusseldorf, the Kunstsammlung Dusseldorf had, has a good collection of German Expressionism now, had when I was there. And, and then, of course, already new Expressionism had happened, the... The young, the junge Wilde, that, that was actually just before I came to this, late, all through the 80s, uh, this wild, big figurative painting had happened in Düsseldorf, in Cologne, Düsseldorf, and also in Berlin. But um, by the time I started art school in 93, it was extremely unfashionable. Like when I, that warehouse exhibition and kind of people came who had seen the warehouse exhibitions with them, like uh, Kippenberg and stuff, they said, how can you do this now? Yeah. Really, like to you, they'd yeah. come up to you and say that? Yeah. Wow, so it was quite a strong response, mm. like negatively yeah, from negative, them. Yeah. Who, who were they, artists or artists, yeah. collectors or mm. what? Yeah. Did that make you want to do it more or did it scare you? It probably did make me want to do it more, yeah. <laughs> also, also, it was sort of fun because we we kept, we did. I feel like came a di- different angle because we didn't have that. We weren't this sort of macho male. There were many women who painted uh, in the neo expressionism in the eighties, but they just were not shown. So only now we've found out about like who, them. Who are those people? Like um, Bettina Zemmer, for example. Um, is Ro- is Rosemary Trockel was she yeah. part of that movement? 
she was not she was a contemporary definitely a contemporary she is a contemporary but um not a painter so much so yeah. okay okay i mean she has painted but she does paint but has not wasn't yeah i'm really fascinated by this idea of it being an exposing kind of force when you're making the work because that makes so much sense to me when you think about the tension within them because they they have this real um sort of they're very alive but they also feel like there's something energetically strong in them and i think that must be the tension between you and the canvas yes. this idea of you feeling exposed and you know what while you're painting and creating that image and you also described this idea of sharpness and how that wasn't you. Um, can you explain, like, because what, what, these images aren't necessarily sharp either. They're very, like, curvy and, like, fluid and soft in a way. There's almost, like, like blurred vision or something, perhaps. Can you explain what it is to, you know, be in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's, I think you can see that, yeah, they are, as you said, they are, there is an intention attention and intention and then 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 a, a sort of, yeah there's like an intention but there's also mm. there's also like a direct soul thing for me i think it's almost like out of your it's almost like they're coming out of you or something it's like an inner monologue isn't it mm. or it's in some ways it's really spiritual the the yeah. energy because it has like this dreamy hazy quality that you, i think that's the wateriness of it and then you have this sharpness of line making mark making and it feels nostalgic, and I guess because you're working from memory, that makes complete sense. Yeah, it's, it's I'm trying to conjure something up. I'm trying to make something real that's no longer there, or that isn't isn't actually here. But like diary not. entries in some way. Yeah, then it's more they're more more like something you'd write into a, an album for of poetry, like what do you call this poetry, an album of poetry that you write for other people. You write. <laughs> Not a, not a diary, but messages. How did you how did you find out? Because you were born in Munich and then you were raised in Oxford, and then you went back to Germany to study art. What what was that journey then for you discovering art and then being in Oxford and going back to Germany? Well, Oxford, as I realised more, was of course an amazing place to grow up for all sorts of reasons about the beautiful place and a great museum, a Schmolian museum, great. Um, oh, yeah much to draw from, draw and draw from. And leaving there was quite a, sh a shock because no, nowhere else is as beautiful, like, as beautiful as that. I mean, and as for the, but then in, in Dusseldorf, I was always the, the English, like the, the, the one person from England, but was, here I'm always the, the person from Germany. So <laughs> it's like a... How did you find art though? At what age did you discover art? Was it the Ashmolean in Oxford visiting and going, I can do that or... Probably, yeah. I, I mean, I had. I mean, it was like my my um, my mother is an art historian, and so oh, I was really? like 19th century German romanticism is her. So is that so that romanticism? Because mm. your work is romantic, you know. That's that's mm. that kind of memory and nostalgia again. There's mm. romance there. So what what was you growing up and seeing and reading, and was your mum taking you to things? Definitely saw a lot of. Um, yeah, the, the German romance. I was very young in the Volkwang Museum in Essen. Yeah, Caspar David Friedrich and romance. And then also my actually my ancestor of mine, who was a painter, a friend of Friedrich's, and he, they were twins, a landscape painter and a portrait painter. And um, 
my great great grandfather is a landscape painter, but the portrait painter was quite was quite they were quite successful at the time with painting famous uh, people of the nineteenth century. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is your what does your mum think of your work? Yes, she's quite critical. Is she? <laughs> <laughs> but she like don't know. She they actually have a few of my paintings at home and like like them very much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in our first talk up book, you kindly let us publish one of your images, which is actually of almost like a magician type person who I almost see as yourself um, conjuring up this kind of wonderful storm of mm. colour. Is that actually a self-portrait, that work? Or can you tell us a bit about that? Just because I know a lot of people listening will have the book and be able to see that image. It could be a self I didn't really, yeah, I mean, possibly, yeah. The funny glasses, yeah. Um <laughs> But I did have I did have somebody in mind as well, the the astronomer. She was a 18th century astronomer in Hanover. She was who I was thinking of. What, what, what did she discover? A, a comet. Oh really? Yeah. She oh, wasn't I called Haley, was she? That, that was. Was it Haley's comet? <laughs> no. Haley, that was Haley. Um, she was called something with H as well, though. Yeah. I'll... Is it Caroline Herschel? Yes, it is. Yeah, Caroline oh. Herschel with H. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. And what, 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 how did you discover her? Because I was painting the history of Hanover in a in a staircase in Hanover. I paint and covered the whole st- <gasps> staircase. Like a mural. Mural. Is it yeah. still there? No, unfortunately not. But it was there for a year, five years ago. Yeah. So that was a commission. Yeah. I mean, what is that like then, painting on that scale? And that was onto directly onto the wall. Yeah. Do you like doing commissions like that? Yes. Because <laughs> I've seen pictures of your house, and your house is a mural. Yeah, it's one of the first memories I have of coming to Margate was you toured me around your place and it, it really stuck with me because of the magical nature of it all, like the freedom of just painting on the walls and as you go up your staircase. And is it Chatsworth House? Is it a Balloonsbury set? Where did they paint Charleston. it? Charleston. Charleston House is what yeah. I was thinking of. So that, it has yeah. that energy, right? Yeah. Is that an inspiration for you? I, I guess so, yeah. I, I've just always, it's just been a way of um, like painting it. Again, for the lack of having a nice tablecloth, just paint and paint the tabletop. Uh, if for nice wallpaper, just paint the wall, something on the wall, or if there's a stain on the wall, paint around it or something <laughs> on it. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Does it feel like there's a preciousness to that? Then, if it's a tablecloth, if something spills, or are you quite like these are active works? They're there to be enjoyed and used, and that's okay. Like Rob's picture sort of disappeared. Yeah. There's something about this. Also, you paint on the table itself too. Yeah. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, on the wood, everything. Yeah. And your family are okay with this? <laughs> they used to it, yeah. Is that something you've always done or is it something you sort of yearned to do? And then as an adult, you were able to? Definitely as an adult, I, yeah. I would not have been able to do that. But, yeah. And when I sat at your d- dinner table for that wonderful dinner back in about 2016, um, I noticed all these tiles in your kitchen, which you'd actually painted on and then fired. And then you kindly, when I moved here as a gift, you brought me tiles and I was able to actually put them up in my kitchen. I've since moved from that house and taken them out of the wall and I've got them framed. But can you talk about tiles as well? Because that's another place. It's like there's no limit to where you can take your painting. It's very Keith Haring in some ways. <laughs> It's I like love a that. Dreamy, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of pop yeah. arty in some ways, you know. Yeah, yeah, love Keith Haring. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but what, what about tiles and ceramics? Was that something you had to learn a lot about? Was that a challenge? It's uh, ceramics. It, it the sort of the paints behave differently because the colours you can't see, you can't see them because they're, they're, the glazes 
a very pale or different, even a different color from how they turn out after firing. So it's quite, it's quite surprising. I found it really interesting mm. because it's the opposite in a way of the paintings because you have to wait time for oh, them yeah, to bake true. and mm. you don't know That's what they're going to... slowing gonna... down again. Yeah, I was just Do you make the but... tiles like you stretch the canvases? Do you have to like make the clay tiles or do they come ready-made? They actually come ready-made, but I should I should be making them. I, I just haven't... It's, I have made... I've made also I've made uh, like porcelain figurines and then painted those as well, so... And you live with those. I've seen those yeah. in your house. And they're quite small, aren't they? Yeah. And they're like little in- interactions between people, like little scenes. Yeah. And how did you come to make with your hands in that way? Was that something you want? You just just wanted. I just to I always liked. I mean, like many people, I always like making making things with my hand. Like when when I, when I have a candle burning, I use, I make little figurines out of the wax that with a soft wax on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> What's it like on. living with your own work? And like coming to the studio and having your work, do you ever at any point feel like it's consuming, or is it something that you just love to be surrounded by your voice? I um, I always I it just it annoy I mean it's annoying in a way that I uh, sort of see things I should be doing differently, and then I sort of want to make the next painting. So it's sort of necessary to be to see them all the time because I need to. I don't mind. I don't really mind them actually. I don't. Um, I like looking at old paintings as well to see, to be reminded. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not like other artists who really cannot bear to live with their own work. I I quite like it. <laughs> Does it bring a comfort to you? Because I find it comforting coming to your home, for mm. example. I need to visit. I want to. Yeah. Be, I want to be comforted yeah. by you. <laughs> Maybe it's. Um, I just make it home. What is the art world like for you? You're, you're in incredible collections. You're in the Met, LACMA. Uh, lots of like international collections, but also like lots of uh, collections within the UK. What is that like? What, how are you? How is the art world for you? And and you know the pressures of making paintings and selling them and doing exhibitions. Is that something that you consider when you make work, or is this something that you try and ignore and just focus? I, I mean, I do try and ignore, but it is of course it is very essential. For, I mean, for facilitating everything, we now have to. I mean, it's my income, and yeah. So I, I think I plan the next exhibition. I think about it. I think about how I worry whether things are going to sell or not. And hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do, do, like, do you like the art world, how it sort of accommodates your work? 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, good. <laughs> I mean, because you're, you're incredibly popular. And, and there was a show yeah. recently, the Hayward, the painting show, which she was part of this incredible group of artists that was just wonderful. That must feel mm. so special. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always a mixture of like feeling like I don't, I totally do not deserve to be there. And then I totally deserve to be there more than anybody else. So, so I go, I swing, I mean, I swing both ways, like, I don't, like in my... <laughs> And and the same same with yeah like I want to be the center of attention, but I also totally do not want to be the center of attention. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really um, fascinating tension, mm. and to exist in that place, which is you know I think we all have it as creatives. You have an imposter syndrome, mm. then you have the ego. So <laughs> then and this combination in the middle is, is that something that you can then challenge into the work? When the the work is the only. For me, the only place where I can make it better, where I can, where I have control to improve or to be my best, is is, is the, in the work. Yeah, everything else is I can't really control. What is a successful painting? Everyone that's got joy in it, but also sadness and uh, danger. Every that's got lots of things in it that and where has a, a lot of space in it and comes at you but also gives you gives you retreats so yeah <laughs> can we talk about space then what what, what space is in a painting for you because there is i mean we look at these works and there is you know there's a lot a lot going on in some of them but there is this real space these vast skies this feels use like, the word vast yeah, yeah epic they, they like are quite epic turner-esque <laughs> in some ways the way obviously we're in margate turner <laughs> country but this this the sky the the the, the grandness of these ideas Space is obviously something that's incredibly important to you to to harness. Yeah, I like the idea of paintings making a room bigger, either making, a, creating, opening up a world. Or that's yeah. I love that. Talk, talk talk about that a bit more. So a painting's making a room bigger, so that so one of your works could hang in a room, and instead of it feeling contained, it makes the room expand. Yeah. I love that idea. I was going to ask about whether your intention was to lift people's souls because I feel I've always felt healed looking at your work yeah, I feel same. kind of that's what I use that word comfort for because I feel like it's a place for me to retreat to while I'm looking at your work and I didn't know if that's what it is for you it's or joy. whether that's what it's you're trying joy. to provide yeah for others in the crazy world we're all living in <laughs> maybe as I try to help myself I hopefully help others too I don't know do you consider an audience when you're making work? No, I consider, I consider, I consider, I have, I always have people in my head talking to me or other paintings in my head talking to me or, and I guess that's like an audience where I want the painting to be somehow, yeah. So you're, you're doing so incredibly well and you're so established. Are you still ambitious for exhibitions or where you want the work to go or are there still places that are, do you have a bucket list? Yeah, I mean, there are quite a few museums I haven't shown in, so that would be... Where would you like to show? MoMA, New York, or <laughs> Tate. That sounds, yeah. No, it sounds great. I mean, it's, 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 it's bound to happen within the next, like, few years, surely. And actually, the one you did here in Margate at Turner Contemporary, can we talk about how that happened? Because that exhibition was so interesting because it did it wasn't a static exhibition. It actually was alive and breathing because you changed the paintings regularly. And these were the biggest paintings you'd ever made. And I thought as a museum show, it was such an interesting concept 
to actually like have an exhibition that changes sort were of four or five that, times. Were they aware that this was going to be the concept, or did you go, you know what, I want to change that out now? They said, work. Well, would you like to do something for and something that's going to be there for a year and a half? And I said, actually, a year and a half. Could we? There's also knowing where it was going to be in this beautiful space on the sea, so, like with that incredible light in that glass, the light filter. That, that's, that's why I thought at best studio in Margate, I want to paint there. <laughs> oh, you made the work in situ yeah. there? So after hours, or would you be painting while people were visiting? No, while people were visiting. <gasps> and what, do, you, do you like having an audience? Do you find it like a performance in some ways? Yeah, I mean, I don't particularly like it, but I, I don't. <laughs> I also don't dislike. I quite enjoy it as well. Like getting. I guess it's the compromise as mm. well in order mm. to get that atrium yeah. to be your studio. Yeah. But I was intrigued whether the because in that space it's huge floor to ceiling yeah. windows that look directly onto the sea and obviously living in Margate we all know that um, the sea changes every time you walk past it so was that part of the motivation to change the works as it went yeah, on because every time I, I was it made it so clear how different it was because every time it was a completely different light and situation and the sea was so one day, one day I was painting there. The waves were crashing into the windows because it was the tide was so high. And other other times it was completely calm and sunny, and it was incredible. And I know that there was a ship was one of the themes um, within oh, yeah, the painting. I love that one. And that was my favourite one at the time. Yeah. And I know that ships are an important thing for you, or at least sailboats are, because I've watched you um, over the past kind of two, three years sailing on the weekends, on the week, whenever. Um, can you speak a bit about your connection to sailing as well? Because you also mentioned it when you were talking about stretching the canvases. <laughs> yeah. I think it was definitely because of the, the scale of some of the paintings of that sail, canvas, and when you're lifting up the, the canvas, as a the, the wind is actually yeah, they are like sails. Um, and the something about sailing that is because it's so ele- so with the elements. Not not I mean painting is with painting is all light, and sailing is all water and wind. Yeah. Yeah. So it's mm. like a different medium. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you're painting yeah. in the sailing. Do you see it like that? Maybe and also, the, the, yeah. I have to admit, my sailing isn't like not something I've mastered at all. Yeah, but it's a but challenge a, a where challenge, you're improving. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a commitment, a discipline, mm. yeah. in a way. Like you're you're turning up for it, mm. the way you do at the studio. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because I was also fascinated that you're so into sailing. Because lots of people in Margate don't sail. Obviously, it's there is a club here, and a lot of our friends do it. But it's a kind of uh, it calls people I think it's a bit like painting is a calling I think it's like a calling to be at the sea and I notice in your work your connection to nature is such a strong thing as a force is, is there some some sort of in- desire to share nature through the work well sometimes I you just use the paintings to remind I mean yeah to remind remind everyone or myself or just how how fragile our environment is at the at the moment ever more so yeah that's i guess why i paint animals and nature and how yeah <laughs> well you did an exhibition mm. in london that had that yeah. as a theme very centrally yeah. kind of the eco climate issue mm. and and you were really elegantly eloquently as well through the work highlighting mm. these issues well, there is an you? elegance i like that yeah, word yeah. For mm-hmm. you, yeah but you were communicating mm. this big conversation through the paintings mm-hmm it's funny because elegant was one of my favourite words when I was 
Really? <laughs> it's quite sassy, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> you you mm. said that um, when you finished your MFA at the RCA, you stayed in London because you mm. said it, it's magical. Uh, and you were in London for many years and we're now in Margate. Do you miss the magic of London? And what does does Margate feel as magical or something different? I sort of, yeah, I haven't really left London like that. Have you that. still got feel, a studio there? Haven't, well, I, I, a house that I can also paint in. So I, not really a big studio, but a house. Um, Mar- Margate is, is yeah, of course, it's very, very different from London because it's just so small compared to London. And, um, but it has so many, there's so many amazing things here in a small, very small space and the sea as well. So it's, in a way, it's everything I had in London and more. <laughs> Do you feel mm. uh, part of the, well, you are part of the art community, mm. you're really embedded here. What does it feel like to be part of this real community here that's kind of growing and changing and you know there's so much incredible opportunity here for emerging artists and artists of all different generations to communicate and have like discourse with each other it's very intergenerational do do, do you feel like that's something that inspires you and you're you're excited to be a part of yes i mean i I, i'm not sure i i hope i'm contributing a little bit Oddly, I'm sort of taking myself out all the time because now I'm teaching. I'm a professor of painting in Karlsruhe, so I'm always away doing, not now, but. In where? Uh, where is it? In Karlsruhe, Karlsruhe in okay. Germany. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I have the young, yeah, the, the young people there. Who are, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping to get more in, involved here as well. With, it's like, yeah, if I can. Now that my studio is here, maybe there'll be an opportunity for more people to oh, come so- and visit. And, it hasn't, it hasn't been here for very long. But. Oh, so this 10-day this studio is the first studio you had here then? Yeah, I mean, I did do paint at home ah. in, in central studios. But for the last five, five years or so, I'd been working actually in a barn outside of Canterbury. But I've, I've left that now. Yeah, so. She must have been desperate for a space here, surely. Yeah. But also, Canterbury offered you something because... I, I went up to that pig hotel once and mm. then came to see you on the mm. same trip. And um, I remember being struck by the isolation and, and the mm. you were right in the centre of huge fields. And mm. it really made sense to me that mm. that's where you'd want to be because mm. you were kind of immersing yourself a bit like in the atrium at Turner Contemporary, yeah. directly next to the nature. And was that something... Because here is very urban, actually. Um, yeah, it's quite concrete bricks a lot of bricks and mortar here <laughs> I did like the the countryside there but I'm much happier here now I'm, it's better to be yeah for all the reasons that I just said about being being more in in the community maybe the one thing I would say about you though is my experience of knowing you in Margate is you're an incredibly generous person yes on so many levels and I was close with Tim Walker in about mm. 2018 we were hanging out a lot and he told me that he'd had a dinner party once um, in his beautiful house in East London. And he's a photographer, isn't he? He's it? a photographer, fashion photographer, so had a big show at the V&A. He's an icon, really, and he works a lot with icons like Tilda Swinton and Björk, and he's a visionary photographer, an artist, you know, in, in photography. And um, he told me this amazing story that you'd gone to a, part, a dinner party at his house, I think, and then the next day or the next week or something, he saw you and you gave him a present of a painting of that event. So I think you'd painted 
how you felt the party was for you and that was your thank you to him and then I've experienced that too because not only did you give me those tiles but even you turned up at my house once and gave me a silk scarf with myself painted on it for my birthday and it's the way you kind of are so generous in these acts of like giving because you spent your time making something so personal about somebody or about how you felt of the experience so I, I, I feel like you're hugely significant and important to our community here. Mm. And even when we did that amazing project for um, the food bank, can we speak about that? Actually, that was, that's an amazing example of Margate community. That was um, early on, very early on in the first lockdown when there was this real sense of emergency. And um, I was very happy that you, you had the idea of, that we could make a print in aid of a uh, the local food bank, yeah, the, the kitchen, food bank. yeah, yeah, and uh, so, so, so your idea, Rob? It was Carl's, and Carl. and I think Carl's predominantly, and then I helped facilitate it and organise right. it, and, and then on we the found, found a way. The the best way for me would, oh, that I I made a I made a drawing one, so that was turned into a, lith- a lithograph, lithograph, yeah. yeah. So I so drew, so I drew, I drew, I drew ink on ink on film, yeah, but, yeah, and fifty prints later. I then hand painted each of those prints with watercolors. Yeah, we actually had an option just to make it like a normal lithograph. And Sophie was adamant. She was like, no, 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 I want to actually make each one unique. So that not only was it 100% donation to charity, it was also this really generous act of like everyone's getting a unique work. And of course, we were mainly speaking to the Margate community, which you knew as well. So it feels like loads of houses in Margate have one of these beautiful prints, which is hand painted. I mean, it all changed as well. And it was a a a sea picture of like a family on the beach. Yeah, and the sunset. I always remember the sunset. What was it that inspired that? Was it like a family memory or something? It was um, just, it probably had also something to do with Carl, Carl asking me to, to so somehow the, we we did have, yeah, maybe not as many as we thought. We would, like, our, both our families together on the beach. That's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, and the funniest thing was, because it was the panic of the first pandemic, mm. and I particularly was hyper scared of getting COVID and all these things. And I remember we, we weren't allowed to actually physically see each other. And I wasn't even allowed mm. to see the person printing the print. And everyone was doing their part on their own. And my job was to go to the empty print studio, mm. pick up the uh, the outline, the black outline of the family on the beach, and then um, hand deliver them to you. But I couldn't actually see you. So you invented this this basket. <laughs> you found the, found an old picnic basket, and you were on the third floor of your building through the window with a little pulley and rope. Pulley system. Yeah, it was so romantic and silly and funny. <laughs> and that was how we did it. And we were like talking to each other, and it felt so kind of clandestine. Is that the word? Yeah, like, yeah, kind yeah. of like naughty and a bit. We shouldn't be doing it because the streets were empty. But we were allowed. It was really antique as well. But we were allowed to do it. It was a legal thing. If you were working or something, in that context, as long as you were isolated, you were actually allowed to do it. Anyway, drop-offs. That's right. We had to make drop-off deliveries. Exactly. So I delivered it to you, and it was so romantic. You pulling up. It was so funny, wasn't it? It was a funny old thing. And we raised a lot of money for them. And it was just, I don't know, I just thought that was a nice insight for people listening. And even coming to your Christmas party recently, um, last Christmas, I just remember thinking you'd, oh no, it was it Easter maybe? And you'd painted all the eggs. And they were like, I think it might have been Christmas or Easter, but anyway. It was each, my birthday. It was your birthday. That's what it was. And each <laughs> egg on this, it was like a, a, a kind of um, skeleton of a, a tree or something inside um, with all these eggs hanging off. But each one was a character and a face. And I don't know. I just love the magic around a lot of my experiences with you. Before we get into our final questions, um, when we met you today, you were wearing uh, cricket 
pads from your knee down. I've never seen that before, apart from someone playing cricket. How does that come into your practice? That was a true eureka moment. Um, I, somebody had given me these cricket pads, uh, hand me down for my son to play cricket with, but he he never did pick them up. But I saw them in they were in my in my studio in Canterbury as I was sit, kneeling on the stone floor day after day to stretch up my canvases, and then finally I made the connection between my sore knees and the cricket pads, and I put them on, and I haven't that now every time and always put them on now they're the best best thing because they're much better than those builders um things you can buy the pad, like, uh, yeah, like yeah, knee pads yeah, yeah knee pads they're not they they're only these cricket pads and probably also that junior size that i got is perfect for my um, they're iconic legs, yeah. well there's a, so, a softness to them isn't there yeah. but there's also an elegance to them mm. you look so cool <laughs> it made me think of charlie um charlie's book you know what what artists wear oh, what artists wear yeah, it's almost like you should be in the updated chapter. version yeah, of it yeah, because yeah. The, the raw pigment that's obviously on the plastic sheets has here ended up gets, on the pads, up on the pads yeah. and they become like little artworks in themselves yeah I, um, I love that also there's a painting behind us um which i believe is dedicated to a friend of ours who recently passed and I was so touched by that painting, and it's from Margate Pride, of all of our friends and your family who were leading the Margate Pride Parade in honour of Jess Search, um, who died really young at the age of 54. And you're wearing a badge right now that says Lucky Fucker, and she died from a brain tumour, and when she found out, her response was, I'm such a lucky fucker, because she felt like she'd been able to like support and help so many creatives, because she ran the Doc Society in, in London that's gone on globally to change the world, really, and made, made and supported so documentary many, societies yeah, yeah. political kind of yeah. artistic just films with integrity but also supported everybody all kinds of people even told me to keep doing talk art back in 2019 when i was a bit shaky about whether i should be doing it or not you know i think she gave a lot of people comfort and agency and i'm so touched that you've made that work um was that something that that you want to include in an exhibition or is that something more personal for you definitely could become part of something i, I mean they are part of it's part of this this group that I'm making now as well, um, but I, I it was a personal very I mean yeah I just I just wanted actually actually I was I did make that one because I thought uh, we were we had a lunch on Sunday after and I thought that could be there the painting but then in the end I didn't bring it back but yeah it was just it's just it's just a way for me to for me to process things yeah yeah sure someone somewhere is going to mm. live with that mm. whether it be a museum or an institution mm. or, or a private collection they're going to live with that and the energy of a, jess has gone it, into that it is and, and it's also the um, it's like queer, a trans, queer trans, pride. trans flag mm. at yeah the top trans there. flag exactly yeah. yeah amazing and um jess wrote a really beautiful uh letter to everybody which was titled title kind of dear comrades and it was this idea of like everybody you know t uh, continuing the legacy of what she had started and i think that painting is a really beautiful example of that and even us talking about jess right now mm. it's like we all have to come together and fight for equality mm. for trans people you know people for gay people for for women for all you know allies and queer people uh, yeah and in, in fact yeah. outsiders as well and that was a term you used slightly um earlier because you were talking about being German in England but English in Germany and I was wondering whether feeling like an outsider was something that even drove you to maybe mm. being in Margate yeah join all the other weirdos yeah <laughs> amen have you always felt like an outsider do you think growing yes. up yeah and is that maybe why you express yourself through 
making drawings and paintings. Yeah, it's a way to communicate when I fail to communicate in a in a room with people. Yeah. Was that something in childhood when you would, did you make drawings a lot to sort of work out yeah. the way you're feeling? I find that so beautiful. I guess art for you is when words fail you or words aren't enough. The art speaks for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's beautiful. Oh. I love gonna, you so much. Yeah. I'm so grateful that we Brilliant. know each other, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to our final questions now. Mm. (laughs) You're probably like, phew. (laughs) If you could do an art heist, Sophie, if you could have any work of art in the world for yourself, what would it be and why? Mm Hmm. I mean, there's so many. Actually, I actually prefer to see see them in a museum rather than have them at home. Which, which, if it was in a museum, then which would it be? Like I was like, I'm just thinking about like how I love to go and see um, revisit whenever I'm in New York. I go to see the La Moselle d'Avignon in, in, in the MoMA, and I thought, would I like to have it at home? This is a Picasso. Yeah. yeah. Would I? Would I? No. I'd, I'd like to have that journey to visit it there, knowing that it's seen by everybody all the time. Um, this is in the MoMA permanent collection yeah. in New York. Yeah, I've seen it there. That's very. That's your generosity. You don't want to take it away from anyone. You want it to stay yeah. out there for everyone. So that's interesting because it's also a journey to the artwork, which yeah. is how you make work. I know that Russell's art heist would be um, the portrait of your daughter, which I think is your daughter with in the Fort Road up, Hotel. I'm obsessed with that painting. Yeah, it's at the Fort, Fort Road Hotel in Margate. Obsessed with that. Yeah, we've been having breakfast there with our eggs and soldiers, um, and Russell keeps talking about it, and I, I know it's I love like that a painting thing. Yeah. so much. But that and Picasso, also, the, the line of that Picasso follows mm. these sort of lines of these dancing figures which appear, mm. these kind of like s- simplified, mm. energetic movements that you get in that painting so obviously that's that's had a bit of an impact on you then i guess in mm-hmm. your practice for sure yeah i always thought of those dancing figures like in that painting there of this woman in a green suit there's these kind of dancing figures in the background they always make me think of fairies or like mm-hmm. or like peter pan or something yes Is, it, what do they represent for you because they they're a recurring motif i just it's just a sort of the idea of dancing like the dancers that you don't have to do very much and it's a it's a, it's like a moment of dancing yeah do you like dancing yourself yes oh. <laughs> do you feel quite free when you dance i guess so yeah, would I? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and do you ever listen to music in the studio thinking about dancing good question i don't really actually i should i know it would make things much easier if i did listen to good music but i i don't i somehow don't don't do it then I never I, yeah I don't do it no never. why would it make things easier because there's immediately like the rooms the space already filled and I, all I need to do is sort of go along with it a bit like rather than do it all myself that's, that's kind of but I feel like there's some sense of transformation that, that almost like maybe having music on would distract you right. I feel like it's quite not painful for you to make a work but there's something very like you have to pull it out from within mm-hmm. you know what I mean through your mind through the hand that's why I find your painting mm. so extraordinary because they are these and when you've given me these works like I, I relate to them so deeply in the mind like as a mem- like they're just profound the other question we ask every guest is what is your favourite colour? <laughs> I, 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 I guess I have to say blue and why blue? is it because of the sea? yeah yeah you love the sea don't you? Mm. What, what, do you have a like a conscious understanding of why that is or? Just, I guess, it's just the, just the the vastness and the, 
Yeah. Do you, do you swim here? Mm-hmm. In cold water swimming? Do you go to yeah. the pool? Both. The, it depends on the time. Yeah, the tides are doing or the, the beach or the tidal pool. Yeah. I went to the tidal pool this morning with my friend, mm-hmm. our friend Susie, and I was swimming around and I said to her, this water is literally billions of years old. Mm-hmm. Every, every bit of this water has been pissed out by a dinosaur mm-hmm. at some point in the past, and here we are swimming in it. And it's, it's just this vastness when you mm-hmm. actually get your head around it that this thing is just constant and it's older than time it's it's kind of quite an existential yeah. crisis you can be you can <laughs> fall, fall into but i understand that the magic of of the ocean i mean it's and especially living in margate is so important mm, it's healing too <laughs> it is healing um, yeah I think that's a common thread, though, with people mm. that have moved to Margate, is that they. All, I think we all needed to be healed. I even feel it with my mum, because my mum's mm. moved next door to me, and I don't know, I think we've all had so much trauma even with our family, and it's like there's something so healing about the energy in Margate. It's sort of, there's certain people just don't get Margate, and then the people mm. that do, they all. I think they all are coming here really essentially to heal. I think it feels new, but it feels really old at yeah. the same time. But you and Susie today were manifesting in the water. I do that. Which I think time. is something you would love, like mm. Sophie, like, yeah. yeah. We manifest all the time. Mm. We, get so in, we get in the cob water mm. and we face the sun and we go, mm. thank you, universe. <laughs> we're listening. And then we just manifest. Well, I, I was about three minutes behind them today. So by the time I got in the sea, they were manifesting. <laughs> and I was, I was witnessing them facing the sun. It was a really elegant, beautiful thing. Um, do you see your paintings as like talisman or something or manifestations even? They can be sometimes, yeah. Offerings. <laughs> Offerings. Mm. So they're memories, but they're also future mm. forecasting, future thinking. Yeah. And do you, do you, are you a spiritual person? I, I guess, I mean, just by, but not, I, I don't have any, I don't follow any rules or anything. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I feel like your religion, if you will, mm. was nature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And good. when you've made a series like this, because this feels like a very Margate series, mm. where will this go? Is it going to be the series at Freeze? Yes. I've, I've, I'm doing a solo booth at uh, Pilar Corias and Freeze London. Brilliant. So, so that's in the middle of October. And yeah. um, when you have a series like this, you've obviously stretched up. I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, mm. seven, eight or nine empty canvases currently. So do you, do you have a, a magic number for a series or do you just do it instinctively? Very instinctively, yeah. Like just... I, I slightly, I'm slightly up because I've, I wanted to fill the space so quickly. So I just paint, I stretch up so many and just I'm going to paint many, many, and then choose. Oh, um, edit, edit. You're going to edit, edit from yeah. your own, yeah. And one final question about this work, um, th- this new body of work. There's a, what looks like a crocodile, um, which is sort of quite incongruously being mm. there because obviously the crocodile isn't in Margate, <laughs> but it does look like a fairground dreamland scene. Yeah. Where did the crocodile come from? I'm sort of mixing up because I was mixing up... Um, I just thought, oh, there should be a sort of funny creature because of uh, being uh, sort of at the fairground and the helter-skelter and then crocodile. And then I was sort of thinking of, um, I was looking at drawings, uh, Carl Jung drawings, dream drawings, and there was a there was a sort of monster crocodile thing. And, yeah. It feels quite Peter Pan as well. Yeah. What, what's <laughs> also, the I like of... crocodiles. Is that yeah. something you do, though, dream drawings? Do you, do you ever wake up in the morning and try and draw what you've dreamt or write down what you've dreamt? I don't really, but I mean, in a way, because I then I go in the studio and paint that that is like a dream drawing. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever received when it comes to your art? I guess I should uh, add a bit of red. Add a bit of red. It's red. <laughs> That's the best it works, advice. It works every time. 
<laughs> who gave you that advice? Yeah, somebody. Some German expressionist <laughs> in the past, right? <laughs> Add a bit of red. That's true, but you sometimes have a dash of red, like a coat or a, yeah. or a flower. That's so funny. Um, and who are artists that you look to and admire? Like either from the past or present. Or contemporary. Because I know, for example, mm. Catherine Bernhardt, the American painter who's based in St. Louis in America, when she met you, she completely freaked out and just fell so in love with what you're doing. And I think mm. there's a... She also uses big buckets of water, but mm. with acrylic paint. But um, I know she, you're like one of her number one artists. She's a pop artist, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But what, who, who, would, who would your heroes be? Yeah, I, I mean, Catherine is definitely... Also, I love her work and... Uh, other other uh, people in New York that like Jonathan's shown in the gallery like uh, Josh Smith I lo- love his work a lot and Joe Bradley and uh, yeah look at their, their work a lot and um, then all my my friends in Düsseldorf as well my friend Dietmar Lutz well look and I think about Tracy's work a lot <laughs> I, I think Your about neighbor. neighbor yeah <laughs> I think about a lot of yeah a lot of a lot of people all the time yeah Oh, amazing. Well, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for letting us into your cave, into your art so cave. so intimate and um, tender, and I just adore you. And I, I really can't wait for as many people as possible to see Freeze in October. It's a really stunning tribute to Margate. And, and you're very active on Instagram. There's a lot of your work that you put up on Instagram. And what, what is your yeah. handle on Instagram? What's up? Do I make my... Your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it at so, Sophie yeah, Von Helen? Yeah, Sophie Von Helen, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And you can also go, go to, to Pilar Corrias and we'll, we'll link to everybody. Mm. And you can visit at TalkArt for all the images. And thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, Sophie. Thank it's you, been Sophie. an honour to spend this hour and a bit with you. We'll be back very soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Want to find the perfect Father's Day card? Dad deserves better than a drugstore card. This year, surprise him with a special personalized card from Moonpig. You can add your favorite photos and a heartfelt message. Plus, no more worrying about stamps or going to the post office, because we'll mail it for you the same day. Every dad deserves a Moonpig card. Get your first card free with code PODCAST at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com